0: Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview... Vernon Brown. Vernon is the founder of What's Your Happy, a happiness and business consulting firm based in Virginia. In our conversation, Vernon and I discuss the power of emotions, the idea of conformity, and how putting a price on advice is oftentimes better for both the giver and the receiver. We're good. So welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewing and talking with Vernon Brown, the founder of What's Your Happy Happiness Consulting. Vernon, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you uh, having me here and taking the time. You're welcome.
0: So um, how did you get started in consulting people, especially in the happiness sector?
1: That's a world-class question. Um, you know, it was, it was an accident. I did not want to do this. I did not. Really? Well, oh, my god! No way. I never wanted to do this. I never wanted to own my own practice. I just thought it wasn't for me, right? But it's like, you know, once I got done with a career, I was, you know, just acting and modeling in New York. And it was cool, right? It was a lot of fun. I got to travel. I had so many great experiences I would never take back. But I, I think, well, I know at that time, I just... And even now, it's it's about, I know people use this word, but impact, I think wasn't the word I would use then, but I definitely see it now. And I want to do something that made more sense. And, you know, even when I was trying to figure that out, I mean, just like anything else, you know, when I first started going to the gym, everyone's like, oh, get a trainer, get a trainer. I'm like, no, I just found the oldest dude at the gym who looked like he knew something. I hung around him, right? And he taught me everything I needed to know. It's the same thing I did. I found a mentor who'd been around, saw so many great things, someone who actually done things, not people who talk about it. There's a lot of theory out there. And I the got with him and, you know, you know, being a great mentor, you know, even someone I still talk to today, um, he challenged me and he pushed me and said, you, look, you, if you want to do something different, you need to see how different things different can be. So I learned about, you know, just entrepreneurship and I thought that was cool. But then he said, you really should consider life coaching. And the big joke is, I'm like, don't ever call it life coaching. I can't stand that phrase. It's I can't even now. But I told him, I was like, no, I don't even like the title. And um, being a great mentor that he is, he pushed. And I'm like, listen up, old man, I ain't doing it. he's like, do you even know what it is? I said, no. He's like, so you're saying no to something you don't know anything about. I'm like, shut up. And I started looking into it. I'm like, "Okay, I see what you're getting at. And um, what happened was I had to sit back and I wanted to do something that would be different. We wanted to talk about something and coach people on things that, you know, that brought me a lot of success. And it's when you go to a casting I don't know if you've been to a casting or not, you're taught when you're younger that you're so unique and there's no one that's like you in this world, right? And when you go to a casting, there's all brown guys with bald heads who are 6'4". All of a sudden, you are the exact Same. You get mad at your mama saying, you lied to me. I'm not unique, right? But I had to sit back and say, like, if so, if it's not your look that makes you different, it's got to be, what is it? It's like your personality. It's the way people feel around you. And then people started saying, they just feel so much better when I was around and the way I would see the world. And so that's when I said, happiness coaching. It just made sense. It wasn't that, you know, uh, it's how people feel. That's such a big thing. And people can get the sense of not, oh, I feel happy, but they can get the sense that skill and capability are transmitted through your confidence, right? They know that you, you know, they're in safe hands, but that's how what you're happy came to be, reluctantly came to be.
0: Well, so what would be your definition for happiness?
1: So this is, you know, a big, uh, big question here. I'm glad you asked this. You know, my practice is called what's your happy, not what's my happy. Not what your auntie Maha happy is, not what your cousin, not what your boss, not with anybody, your roommates happy, it, you're happy. So the happy part is unique to each individual. But the results of it, though, regardless of wherever you're happy is, like my happy is I love going to grocery stores, looking on the shelves when I travel. You know, when I could travel but like for speaking, like I would travel to, you know, Oakland or something. And I would just go in. Like, oh, my gosh, they got such cool food here. I can't wait to make this. I love to cook. But that's my happy. But what happens is when you're doing your happy, it gives you more energy. And when you have more energy and you're more excited, all of a sudden you can think clear, you can focus, you can concentrate, you can get creative, you start communicating better, you learn faster, you learn quicker, you do so many different things get unlocked with happiness. So my definition, what's your happiness definition of happiness is energy.
0: Energy to to do what? Things that you love or to
1: well, well it's energy to do what you want. You know, I'm big on, you know, we mentioned right before we got started, like, I don't do busy. I do not. I run from busy like crazy. I don't do hard work. I refuse to do hard work first. I do smart work. So I'm big on strategic action. So a big thing for me, you know, when I'm working a big thing for what you're happy with, When I'm working with clients and, you know, I'm working, teaching in the classes or I'm doing facilitation is get people into a place where they can come out with something that they want to execute on better. Most places now, especially for me, it's, you know, working with so many businesses and business owners. It's, you know, you want to solve X problem. What exactly is the problem? You know, this, and we just come out with a strategic path that um, we start with the base of, you know, you know, figuring out what their happy is, which frees them up. So I'm not just trying to say, oh, we just, oh, you find you're happy and all of a sudden you can clap your hands and stomp your feet. No, I'm just saying that we figure out a strategic path that works for you. So you don't work all the time so that you are able to spend more time with your family. And as we continue to grow you strategically, you know, to you know, you go from, you know, some of my clients go from you know sixty five thousand, which is not a bad living, to six seventy-five in the six figures. and that's not a bad living either, right? Without having to work more. That's the thing about it, because you get to work smarter.
0: So how did you get into happiness coaching specifically? Like who is your mentor?
1: Uh, so my mentor is he's a retired just helper. Um, and I think the thing with him is I loved, I read so many books about career development and it didn't make sense for this new world for me, like telling me that, you know, cause the world has changed. Like let's call a spade a spade here, you know, years ago, college in, in real estate, were those are guaranteed investments, these are guaranteed to work What's well, the same thing with industries. Now everything has an asterisk beside it and I can see that coming. So me going to sit behind a desk was not going to happen. Vernon does not do well behind desks. desk. You know, I like to have that kind of free flow and creativity. I got an art background. You know, I love comic books. I love stuff like that. I'm a creative type person. I needed something that would be different. And, you know, when you're working with someone who has just a, such a robust knowledge of what's out there combined with what you like, that's how it kinda, I kind of got that nudge. He's told me many things. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't just coaching. But that really, it, it stuck with me and how I am. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of, that's... I guess some more detail on how I got here.
0: So how did you overcome, like I'm, I'm sure that in your happiness coaching experiences, finding your own happy and also helping to find your clients happy. Mm-hmm. Were there any um, challenges you've
1: encountered with that? Are you kidding me? There's <laughs> a bear poop in the woods, of course, man. I had tons. I think the first day is like I even said, at the like I was saying earlier, it's I didn't want to do it. So I had to get past my own personal objections. Right. And I think, um, and I I think a lot of times I I see entrepreneurs doing that. You know, we, we think we know, Oh, I can't do that. Why would I, you know what I mean? And we'll say something like that. And we don't know. We just don't, you know, I can't tell you how much crow I've had to eat over this, you know, what I've called the great reset, you know, what's going on and I don't ever want to diminish it and try to say things are tragic, but I'm just very hopeful. This is really going to reset a lot of things in a positive one. We're going to get to that place, but, I've had to use a lot of crow because some things I thought weren't for me were actually, I just didn't know enough about it, how to utilize it. Like, you know, you know, in terms of marketing, in terms of certain relationships to have. So get it past my own personal objections. Um, Another big one. And I say this, you know, this is such a big one for me was the critics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seven years ago, I'm going to be a happiness coach. Do you know how much they probably thought I was a nut, right? Yeah. But it was there, but it really didn't bother me much. Because I know I learned in my life, you know, through my experience is there are more spectators in life than participants. More people will sit back and tell you what to do with your life who've never done it. Most people don't take a risk on themselves, a chance on themselves. And what happens is they've half but put efforts and then try to uh, then fail 100%, which doesn't make sense to me. So once I, once I kind of knew that was in place, those critics kind of, you know, they're there, but also know that first they ask you, why are you doing this? And this is silly, they didn't want to know how you did it. And that's why I think it's funny, some people like, hey, can I sit down and pick your brain? And I'm like, ah, the critics now all of a sudden want you to become their, their mentees. And I'm happy, I'm not bitter about it. I'm just recognizing that they can't see, they can't see what you can see, right?
0: Yeah, true. I think,
1: um, it's, I think a, a really big one is a realization that took some time that I wouldn't say I resisted, but I, once I named it, it felt so much better. And this might help others is being in business. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about the challenges. I don't care about the employees. You strip all that away and it, all it is is emotions all businesses is, is it can how long can you manage your emotions to which work for you, like this, because problems don't go away in entrepreneurship and on a business owner they don't go away they stay, but you look at people who've been in business who've been you know uh, proactive who've been you know I don't want to use the word resilient I think that word's overused but you know who've been just pivoted who've just jumped and dodged when things happen to them just watch them. They don't just, oh gosh, the building's going down, throw everything away. No, they sit back and however they might perform and they think, and you can recognize that they manage managed their emotions. And I think one of the best things that I could have done is I had to sit back and reflect on how to better control my emotions so I can think clear, you know, because you're freak out sometimes. I feel like it's the end of the world. And then you'll reach out to a colleague or you'll reach out to someone who's had this problem before. And they'll be like, you know, all you have to do is this. And you're like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah, that was it. You're like, all right, all right, cool. You know, all of a sudden end in the world is now it's roses and rainbows. But once you recognize that, you know, once I recognize for sure that my emotions can impair my judgment or my ability to execute and take care of my family. I've got a five-year-old son, he's my everything, he's my Logan. He's named yeah. after Wolverine. I gotta let him know the daddy knows how to handle problems too. But yeah, those are the big ones.
0: So do you think that happiness or any um emotion that you have that it can be changed into something that can help you. Like if Absolutely. you agree at something, you can channel that anger into something else and make it, um, turn it into something positive.
1: Absolutely. It's everything I live about. Live for, through, do, practice, educate on. You know, because it's an understanding. And I, th- I think when you have an understanding of the neurophysiology of this thing, you understand there's no such thing. You know, you, you see emotions, right? Emotions are nothing but energy. That's all they are you know, because that's what emotion is supposed to do, to charge you up, to get ready to do something or to do nothing. But there's no such, with emotion and understanding our emotions are energy. Well, guess what? There's no such thing as bad energy. I used to have a horrible temper, horrible. I mean, if you looked at me wrong, I'm like, oh, you, oh, you, you want to get it, don't you? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shy to share that, but I share that because I, um, and I'm not proud of it. And that's not something I was like, man, that was a good thing. I was so edgy, but I recognize that the same emotions that angered me, I could use that same energy and go wash the dishes. I had the cleanest house ever because I would be like, get frustrated, go clean something. Because you know, if you're moving towards something, you need to make sure it's something that you want to move towards. And if you're all energized, angry, frustrated, upset, alloyed, melancholy, down, if it's not moving you close to what you want, we got to figure out a way that we can kind of you know, transmute or just you know take it to some other place. So absolutely, this is what I do for most of, if not all of my clients come on a call and you're saying you're frustrated, you're saying you're this thing are that. And, and I'm just like, what else are you? you yeah. are like, what do you, what do you mean? What else am I? I'm like, I don't know. you tell them what you are. I want to know more. I'm like, if we got land of creativity, right? Let's expand and they'll start laughing. And then now I've strategically disarmed them and taking them to where they would like to be or a better place.
0: So what emotion would you say is the most difficult to turn Uh, negative into something that is positive.
1: You said, What's the most difficult emotion?
0: Yeah, like if you have, um, what emotion do you have that a negative emotion do you have is the most difficult to turn positive?
1: Me, myself, or clients?
0: I mean, you, you yourself.
1: What with. You know, with, you know, the way I see things, like there's no such thing as negative emotions for me because, you know, we, this thing experiences more emotions than what we have in human vocabulary for it, right? Because yeah. sometimes you can't quite see it's angst and you can't quite say it's, yeah, or hesitancy or whatever, right? It's really hard to define it. So for me, it's the emotion that tends to come up for me most often that I always move to a better place is... I think the thing that pops up is is going to be, um, am I playing big enough? And I I catch myself with that all the time. And sometimes, you know, we all have some things, right? We all have a thing that we're always working through. And you know, uh, sometimes it it happens more often than not. Than not, but I, I, I don't push myself. To be bigger, not work harder, but to be bigger. Like, is this really the best that I can do? And I always give my best, but am I making sure it's the big enough goal, right? Because, um, yeah, and I I challenge myself. And one way that I always use to combat that if, if, let's just say I wanted to do 10 of something, and then I catch myself, man, I know I can do better, I triple it, do 30. You know, and that makes me, it's a way of like, hey, don't do that again, you know, to remind me. And it wakes me back up because it's the energy. Otherwise it can be used against you. You start feeling guilty, shameful, um, just a whole other array of things that don't help you or help me. So do you think
0: that emotion is perspective? And that, as you say, we have this energy and the energy needs to be directed into something. And then in our mind, we think that, this person looked at it, looked at us this way, and so doing that that feeling that that um that glare that look from them, in our mind it ch- it changes that energy into something that is uh, can be perceived as negative.
1: You know, you brought up a really good point. I mean, I like this question. It's oftentimes you know we got to um, you know throughout that our brain when it has gaps it likes to fill it with imagination. And you know, you get caught off on the road and you're like, Oh, this bofo thinks he's playing me, he thinks I'm weak. Or they, they 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 do all these things, and that's not even what happened, you know. And so oftentimes, you know, I talk with someone and they're really frustrated about you know, a spouse, and they'll get on a call and I'm just sitting there listening to them, and they're you know, husband and wife, you know, business. And I just sit there, talking to them, I listen to them, and I'm just like, Hey, do you mind if I interrupt and interject? And they're like, Yeah, what? You know. And he'll say to me, um, and I said, "Do you know what it's like to be home with five kids while you're at the plant?" He's like, "No." I was like, "Well, let's walk through that." So now I say, "You know, Miss Klein, what time do you wake up?" Well, after he leaves, I do this and that and the other and da 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 da. And she goes through, and then I take the three kids, and then he likes oatmeal, and he's sitting there like, "I'm overwhelmed." <laughs> And she was like, well, I thought you listened to me and when you came home. Like, well, da, da, da And all of a sudden, the perspective of uh, you don't listen to me, you don't care, you don't know what I do, you hear, and now the perspective has changed. And once you can see the full picture, now all of a sudden those emotions start making like, you're like, oh.
0: Yeah, she shouldn't have done that. I should have done this instead.
1: Well, you, you, get to, you get to see the full view, you know? Remember when you were younger and your caregiver, parent, supervisor, guardian, whatever it was, you thought they were so mean, right? You like you ain't gonna tell me not to touch the hot stove. I can do what I want. You thought she was so, or he or she was so wrong, and then you touch the hot stove, yeah. and then you realize that sometimes people are saying things, or not saying things, or just whatever it may be to protect you, to make sure that you don't have to deal with things. So you need to see the full picture sometimes. Most times, and that 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 shift in perspective can change how you feel majorly. You know.
0: How did? finding your own happy, help you with your clients?
1: You know, I mean, that's another great question. I like this. You know, you can't, and I see many, many persons out there who have amazing intentions to help and, you know, to educate and want to see people grow, but you can't take people to a place that you've never been before, right? Like you can't be a, um, a burning down the house coach or a burning down the house therapist or a counselor or any helping profession if you've never been in a burning building because you don't know what it's like. Yeah, you know what i mean like if you don't know what the smoke smells like how you can't breathe or how you got to stay low you got to touch the doorknobs you don't know so i'm big on i'm not going to be a hypocrite i can't just tell you to do something i'm not doing myself oftentimes people get into practices you know practice it and talking about things they're not good at themselves i'm not trying to be mean or bitter but i can't i have a different set of standards and for me is i can't deliver a message i have to be the message and so, for me, it makes it lines up with my congruency to who I am and how I show up.
0: Speaking of message, um, since the pandemic, I'm sure that you, your clients, have had to to go through a lot in terms of um, like logistics with how you work with people and, and the like. Uh, the mindset of your clients, how has the pandemic either? Um, made them realize what they lack or made them realize what they have emotionally in terms of happiness?
1: I think, um, I think the biggest open thing in terms of lack is people didn't realize the lack of can create a lot more. You know, by the lack of you having to go to the office, the lack of you having to commute, it gave people more time, it gave my clients more time to think. Now, problem have more time to think, sometimes it can work against you, right? Because you're like, oh man, now you got time to think about what's wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but with that extra time, was how can we maximize this to make it work for you? You know, I've had clients whose industry was wiped out, restaurant owners, um, fabricators, just different things that like, hey, guess what? Things aren't moving. Things aren't happening. We got had to get creative. So at that time, we sat down, and I made sure I made myself very available to people. Um, because I mean, look, I don't care what you say. We're all in this together. If that one industry goes down, then it's going to affect this industry. These people are going to lose their job. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm big on the collective. That's how I kind of grew up. We just a tight family, you know. Uh, a tight neighborhood. You know, your family. You never that lady has never met you before. The last six months now, she's your aunt. You know, it's a family. Mm-hmm but it, it it's about getting people to sit down and maximize what they do have um because even you know i was going through the shift myself you know i was used to traveling so much i was lacking travel i was lacking speaking engagements and i could have sat back um and not trying to focus on myself but using myself almost like a case study i had to sit back and say what can i do with the time that makes the most sense and can make the biggest impact and that's when um, i started on your happiness the happiness class so some people can get that space that they need because yes you do have that lack of you know schools being open my son's home with me you know 24 7 now right five years old so what do you do you learn how to be a more efficient person or you learn how to start delegating more I end up bringing on new employees and things that help me get things done with clients that's some things that we explored as well
0: what tools and resources have you used to both for trading yourself and also for trading your clients
1: I think one of the first tools that comes to mind is the tool that we forgot how to use and we all often feel foolish for using it is playing. Um, I, I make people play. I make people, I make people daydream. I make people sit back and think the most outlandish, unrealistic things. The things they are like, oh my God, that could never happen. When they think like that, and that's a big tool because we need that. Everything you needed to learn, you learned everything you needed to be successful and to grow, you learned when you were a kid. And people do not use that tool enough. They become so realistic that it's almost detrimental to them. So,
0: how how do you um, view playing as a tool?
1: Well, it's a tool because it's something that you can. When all you have is a hammer, you treat everything like a nail. Yeah. And so, while you being able to play, it frees you up to look for the more options, opportunities, possibilities, and solutions. You know, if you have a, a you know, for rigid thinking got you that problem. Rigid thinking is not going to get you out of it. We need to be flow with it, and especially with everything that's going on now, is you've got the more flexible and adaptable you are. And this is true before this, but it's even more true now. The more flexible and adaptable you are, you know, um, guess what? You can be successful. Like before, pre this, let's go back to 2019. Why would you go to a restaurant to buy food that they've made, but you got to heat up? That's silly. That's stupid. Why would you go to a restaurant, buy food, and get on a Zoom channel with six other people who don't know how to cook and cook it? Like, that's silly. Know what? That didn't apply then. That can apply now. So you got to be flexible. But you got to play with some stuff, right? You got to look at it as like, hey, but that tool for me is the creativity that comes out of playing. You know, and and that's a big thing. It's not just, you know, necessarily playing, but the creativity that starts opening up with it. Um, And I think another tool that gets missed is pen and paper. Like people need to stop you. I mean, those apps are great and cool. But when you start writing things out, and as I look at my giant calendar, when you write things out and you can see these things like in front of you, it's tangible. And there's so much research that shows it sticks with you. But we, uh, I've made a lot of my clients create a vision board, even though um, I'm not the biggest fan of vision boards because that doesn't work for me, but that works for some of the people, right? Yeah, but We need tangibles, we need to touch things, but pen and paper and just, um, yeah.
0: So would you say, would you um add journaling to that as well?
1: You know, you can, again, this is a, for me, it's a style thing that doesn't work with me. And it doesn't, and it, some of my clients like some of my clients don't, but if that works for person's, that's a tool for sure. But, you know, some people like gratitude journals and, you know, you know, if, if you like it, I love it. You know what I mean? I'm not married to one vessel. Like you have to do it this way. I'm not dense, you know, because everyone's different. If you tell me to meditate, when I started, like you kind of doing meditation, it wasn't, it didn't stick. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, I'm not doing this. But then I recognize that, you know, I meditate when I'm at the gym. That's my meditative state. I'm having fun. I'm just zoned out. Music is on. I don't hear it. I don't. And that's meditation. So it's about finding the style that works best for you to achieve the result that you want. So if journaling works for you, go for it. If grad, if you you know drawing works for you, go for it. Um, one thing that works for me, a, a tool that I use in myself, is I draw out my goals. I draw out my dreams. When I first started wanting to be a speaker, I drew out. I said I wanted to go out in a giant audience. I want to have a camera there. I want to have all these lights, and I thought it was it sounded completely crazy, and I did it though. But those are just some a uh, few of the tools that you know I use myself personally, and some of the tools I get my clients to use. Is
0: there any books or? podcasts or, or articles that you've read or listened to recently that have informed you?
1: Inform me of?
0: Oh, with the way you interact with your clients.
1: I think um, it coincides with what we're talking about. I'm glad you asked this question as well it is a big book that helped me and why it's important to dream Is the Alchemist? That's a book I'm always talking about. That book is a field guide if you, you know, when you use it.
0: Yeah, I love that book.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic book, right? It's you will miss it if you just read it for the story. The story is great, don't get me wrong, but listen to that book. Listen, download the audible, but listen to it. Things will happen to your life that you don't feel like it's part of your life's journey, your life's quest, your personal. I can't personal adventure. I forgot exactly the terminology they use. It's time for me to read it again. But it it tells you like stay on the path. You know, because I think a life that is realistic is the biggest waste of your life. It's a sin to me. Like don't be realistic. Don't. Other people will tell you that you can't do it. Ignore them. I'm not trying to get philosophical, but the things that I've done in my life, the way that I've read. Uh, you got a dude that was poor, that was evicted, that you know, I almost got kidnapped. You saw so many rapes. you saw so many drug overdoses to just the most gutter stuff you can ever have happen. And to flip it around and to do the things that I'm doing now, to be traveling, to be meeting, you know, uh, I um, icons. I met Madonna, i Brendan Fraser, Don Cheeto, just meeting all these people. You would have never thought that was possible for me, but, but I don't dream. I don't think realistic. I act Unrealistic. But it's important to remember that, and this is something, you know, that, that I always try to not impose but impress upon people. Um, but it, it's important. The next uh, book I uh, that really comes to mind is Outwitting the Devil. That one, um, it's a good book for entrepreneurs, I feel, because there's certain thoughts that we start to develop when we're on our own, when we're on our journey, and I think that book really kind of. Puts it out there in a way that's very different. Now, we'll warn you: um, there is some spirituality mentioned in there. And you know, pulling that aside, you know, you could really miss a good message. Um, you could really miss a good message, but it, it's it points out a lot of thoughts that we all think, and we might not want to admit it.
0: Yeah, who's the author of that book? It's um, how oh, yeah.
1: oh my gosh! Yo, know, oh my gosh! I'm not thinking. Um, Napoleon Hill. There we go.
0: Napoleon. Okay. Okay, yeah, it sounded sounded really um, familiar. I may have read it before. I think so, maybe. I'm not sure. It sounds very familiar. um But you think that you say that um there's some things in there that people would find interesting in terms of.
1: Well, it's not just talking about, you know, a big thing is sometimes we can get it in our own way, and it explains, you know, the way the book goes. It's a dialogue, and I want to. Reveal too many of the details, but it talks about how we can start worrying about our health, right?
0: Yeah. And like, oh
1: God, I'm going to die. Oh no, I'm going to die. And it just points out like, Mm-mm, that's a trick. It's the devil trying to trick you. And then the fear of criticism, and he recognized, and he just talks about, you know, how I, can, I got you, the devils telling, him, like, I got you to hold back and you didn't even realize it. And he's like, but you eventually pulled, pushed through that. Is that because you were so smart? And it talks about, I think one of the big, 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 big things for me is what the book calls hypnotic rhythm. And how people are basically, I'm sorry, but they're just checking my son because he's not on the camera. Um, how people become hypnotized almost into doing the same things that aren't giving them success. And it's just it just kind of it just talks to you about it. and it's I mean it's a very fun read. Um they just talk to you about some things that you can plan on and expect to experience as you continue to grow and push.
0: Okay. It's very interesting. You should say that because I'm currently in a, uh, in a class and the topic of the class is on, um, on suffering within the, the Bible, within scripture. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the texts that we are taking a close look at is the book of Job, the, the man who lost his family, lost, his health lost all of his uh, possessions, mm-hmm. and um, and through a dialogue with God and with his close friends, he comes to realize that he himself is enough, and well, despite his possessions, his health, his family, that he can get through anything um, mm-hmm. by on his own. And um, in the beginning of the book of um, of Job. Um, there's a it's like a courtroom scene almost where uh, Satan approaches God like uh, as a judge on on his um on, on his court seat and he says that Job is a person who does things simply because you give him things and so if you take away the things Job will will, will curse you and die and um, the word for for Satan in that text is um, Ha Satan. And that is a Hebrew for the accuser. So someone who accuses you for your own um, wealth, your own health, your own prosperity, uh, your own spirituality, your own connection with God, someone who accuses that is in direct confrontation with exactly who you are supposed to be. And it's also through intervention of close ones and loved ones And the realization of of God's everlasting presence that allows you then to realize that whatever you say I am doesn't make me who I am. Right. I get to say who I am. God who made me, he has to say because he made me. He gets to say who I am as well. And so it's not this idea that you don't tell me what to do. I... Impose my own will on the rest of the people, and it's not in the sort of you know dictatorish way, but it's simply in the form of this is the path I want to go, and this is the way that I will take that path. Right.
1: It's you a, and I. Yeah. What's
0: that? It's a lot.
1: No, it is. It, that book starts off on the steps of a courtroom. Yeah. And you can see the parallels there. And that's why like I'm happy you made that connection. But yeah, that you know some powerful words. I'm not who you what do you what you say. I'm I like you that, that that's a powerful thing. You know, too often we can become what people say that we are, right? Yeah. That was called the dumb, stupid, ugly, fat one. Yeah. And I believed it.
0: Yeah. And that's again, that's an accusation, you see. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so it's people's perception of who you are it doesn't really matter. And um, what do you what are your thoughts about um, like personal style in terms of conforming to other people's wishes?
1: I'm pretty sure you got a strong sense of my personality. Yeah, Vernon ain't doing that. Yeah, you know you got to be who you are. And one thing about me is I'm always going to be me. And if not trying to say that I will just you know go against the go against, but you need to be very careful in this world. Um, even to the point where we were just talking about, you know, people. Some people think it's their job to tell you who you are. Let me tell you about yourself. Uh, um, you're very full of yourself. They say these things to you, and you, if you and you can believe it, if you let if you let them. And you just, I think that for me, it's I'm not going to conform to what you want just because it's more pleasant for you. You know, if, if, but don't get me wrong, if I make a mistake and I'm doing something that's damaging or harmful, you need to let me know, right? For sure. But you're not going to walk up to me or, you know, in terms of conforming and call me arrogant when you just want to talk to me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on ego? Mm.
1: Can you expand on that?
0: In terms of, do you think that it is, um, it's healthy to have an ego?
1: you know, I'm just careful with terms like that because it can go, it, it, it can it, it can get close to pathologizing people for, yeah. my, for my practice. So I think it's important to have a solid sense of who you are because as you progress and do, you know, successful things and especially when you're sure of yourself, it will be challenged. And if someone was to come up to me, you know, 20 years ago and tell me, or 25 years ago now and said that you know i was a dumb fat ugly one I, that would took injury to that you know And sometimes people will say like well you have some you know using like the term you just used, somebody say you have such an ego uh, about themselves that's a manipulation yeah trying to manipulate you if someone said that to me now like oh you have an ego about yourself and i would just ask what does that do for you because i'm not engaging with that you're trying to manipulate i'm not playing that game but i do think you i do know you have to have a strong foundation of who you are because you will be tested. You can take you, a shortcut. Well, oh, go on. I know you go ahead. I would just saying that there's, you know, you can get to the mountains in many ways, however, you just find, you know, the top, right? But along the way, you're going to have, have ways where you could cheat. You're going to have ways where you could take a shortcut. You're going to have ways where you could do something underhanded. But if that doesn't align with your values and you know who you are, then you don't do it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So do you think that having happiness as a goal is better than having happiness as a path?
1: I think that focusing on managing life that works in the way that you view success Leads to you being happier. Not that things won't be good. Uh, Not that things won't have tough days, but because people ask me all the time, "Well, don't you get don't you have bad days or bad moments?" Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I got a five year old; he drives me up a freaking wall. But it's like I just don't stay there very long. So you know, it's happiness is a part. A life. It's not the entirety of life for me because you're going to be frustrated. You need to, it's important for this, this organism to experience the variety, the whole gamut of emotions, but just to get back into your power place, if that answers that question.
0: Yes, it does. Um, do you think that there is a connection, always a connection between one's happiness
1: and their attitude? That one's a little difficult and I mean, here's why some person's style, which might come across as, you know, a negative attitude, a positive attitude comes to a lack of not understanding or not knowing. And I think once you kind of fill some gaps in, it gives people a choice to decide if who they want to be. You know, I remember when I had this horrible attitude, I mean, I thought the world was against me. I can't think about happiness, you know, because I think everyone's after me, you know, I was super vigilant. You know, anyway, I kind of got away from your question. I, I think,
0: Oh, no, you're fine.
1: Yeah. Forgive me, but ask that question one more time because I think I missed something I want to make sure I focused on.
0: Oh, um, the question was, do you think that uh, happiness is connected to your attitude?
1: Even if you have a lot of energy and you're doing all your happy things, that doesn't 100% translate to you being a happy person, right? You know, yes. you know, just because you're happy doesn't mean that you don't have a bad temper. Just because you're happy doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to snap. And I think oftentimes that's against that understanding kind of kicks in because some people, they chase these things and make them happy and they get it and then they just get frustrated because it's not what they thought it was. I think a lot of it has to be deciding who you want to be. You know, do you want to be a happy person? Well, how would your life change if your life was happier and you had more energy? You know, with having more energy and having more success in your life, what would you do with that? You know, because we need to kind of, I don't believe in getting down to that one variable because I don't believe in reductions to thinking, but I think we need to be in touch with what you want.
0: So uh, what do you want, Vernon?
1: In regards to? Uh,
0: being happy. How do you be happy?
1: I mentioned I love to cook. I love love the grocery store. I love the cook. I love Legos because that's what we're going to be playing with after this call. Um, What I want is I love as horrific and tragic as things are going on. You know, and this is even just kind of a a wishful thinking that I could see it. Just the amount of racism. And I'm not trying to take it there, but you can guess what I want. It can go there. That I
0: think
1: is... I'm hopeful that will start going away. So my child, you know, myself, yourself, all of our friends and family from this past generation, many generations and on won't have to deal with that. It's just something that I'm just, that's what I really want. Um, yeah. And I'm just, yeah, the, I think that's my big want right now. I just don't want my son growing up and dealing with some of the things I've had to deal with before.
0: Do you think that if everyone if everyone found their own happy, that racism wouldn't be an issue?
1: I think my first reaction is, you can be a happy racist, right? You can be happy and be prejudiced, right? (laughs) Because I think a lot of it is just miseducation. When I say miseducation, it's, you know, um, you know, one of my biggest, you know, phrase that I use often is, I'm afraid of my own ignorance. You know, I think it's important, especially now. Like I saw so many things going on with the BLM movement, and you know, a lot of great things. The thing that I think is missing is people asking questions about other cultures. And I think the more educated people become about cultures, I think it'll start bringing more things to light. Will that to start to bridge the gap? It will start to have more conversations. You know, people don't walk up to someone of a different ethnicity and say, "Tell me, can, you know, can I ask about your culture?" picture someone walking up to you and say, I can I ask about your culture? What would you say?
0: Like, sure.
1: Yeah. You see, you would, you not know, no one would turn that away. You would get away from me. How dare you? You know, you're not going to do that, you know, but when someone walks up to you and say, you like chicken, don't you? you be like, what, like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's delicious. Yes. But what, if, like this thing, how we start a conversation, but I, I think getting more curious and educated. And I mean, I say to in you know, cause it's funny, but it's, you know, it's a stereotype. It's a prejudice out there. Right. But the, the more curious we get about cultures, I think it's going to lead to more conversations that will eventually get rid, uh, diminished greatly. And I think that's what's going to make people happy when you recognize that I don't care how different that you are, we have something in common, you know? And, you know, I've had a conversation with many of a person who did not believe I deserved to walk this planet because I have more melanin than them is sitting there talking with me and said, wow, I didn't know you, you guys would be cool like that. I was like, well, how many times have you tried to have a conversation? like oh like yeah but we need to have more conversations about things and that's what's going to lead to people being happier because they get it
0: so speaking about culture and you mentioned before you like to cook uh what's your
1: favorite dish oh brother you asked the wrong question i got so many things one day is jambalaya uh jambalaya um pasta (laughs) like yesterday was spaghetti before that where i was making um um pot stickers um it's it changes with the week with the day i love it all I'll fix, you know, vegetarian lasagna. I'll fix just anything. Just whatever I'm in the mood for, that's what sounds good.
0: If you had to fix one meal for the rest of your life, what would that meal be? Ooh,
1: ooh, 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 ooh. What is a very good go-to I could eat every day? Curry chicken. I could eat that every day. I have to agree. That's good choice <laughs> i love her chicken oh my gosh i love it
0: yeah have you um you make it
1: oh yeah absolutely once you make your own food it's hard to go back to hard to go to a restaurant you know um yeah another benefit of the pandemic is you know I got to cook more right and i got to try different recipes and it's like i never made a big recipe as chicken 65 never made it before now that I ate, made it at home, I can never go to a restaurant and get that, but like, it's just so many different things I got to try out, so I was thankful to have more time at home to cook.
0: Yeah. I see you have a, um, a guitar uh, behind you. Do you play?
1: If I played, everyone would unsubscribe from your podcast immediately. I'm telling you that right now. This is one of the things that like I'm always curious about. I never played an instrument before, other than like a recorder in the school, right? So I was like, what can I do? I was like, all right, let's go. Next thing you know, you're just... That's about what it would sound like. <laughs> Come back in about three months. To check it in. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get there. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, do
1: you play instruments?
0: I do. I do. I um, in high school I played the trumpet, and I'm currently taking guitar lessons as well. In
1: good deal.
0: In, yeah, learning some nice stuff. Some uh, bossa nova.
1: Good man.
0: Yeah. I have a really good instructor love it yeah so um,
1: what song are you wanting to play i am literally just trying to understand i've not watched no videos i'm like i'm in my mind i'm like i'm gonna be this immediate savant i'm gonna pick it up i don't know how to play it that's about three weeks old and that one lesson in so i'm just still trying to figure some stuff out true story i'm gonna sit here and like yeah. I don't know if you saw when Lil Wayne acted like he could play piano uh, guitar and he just kept doing one little one thing over and over. I'm like, you're not playing a guitar, you're playing with a guitar. <laughs> but, like, I'm not going claim that, but I'm figuring it out. Have I think that's probably the best answer to that question.
0: Have you ever done any um traveling?
1: Lots of traveling. Internationally, not so much in the States. Lots of traveling. Lots and lots. With Mollin and acting, I always traveled. At least once a week, I was on a road or in a plane um, with speaking. Every single month, I was in a new state. At least once a month.
0: How long did you model and act for?
1: Uh, about three years.
0: Okay. You know,
1: fun times, good, good times, but it's just not for me.
0: Yeah did Did you land any big roles? And no?
1: I just got a few mag. Not shouldn't say just. I got a few magazine cover covers. I got which. I'm very thankful for it. I never want to say that. I mean, I, I, I kind of forget about this stuff. You know, it's been what eight years now, and I'm um got a few different commercials with Monday Night Football. Got lots of print ads. I was in a lot of different stores on um, packages. I got like the best. I think one of the biggest things ever was like we have a store, dick Sporting Goods, and I remember I walked into the store and it was like a forty foot poster for me, and I about like. I almost blew up. I'm like, no, like, you know. And it wasn't because, like, you know, back to the word ego, it wasn't because it's like it stroked my ego, but from it was to come from where I come from. You know, when I come from, it's like poor, you know, not having food. You smell like kerosene from the kerosene heater. You know, um, you got laughed at. Your higher school saw you evicted, right? And not to be able to pay bills to be told you're going to end up in prison um, because statistically you fit into that. To have a lot of guys that I grew up with are in prison. Um, some of the people overdose. Some of the people, you know, they got killed, murdered. Some of them, you know, unfortunately made different decisions and you know kind of took themselves out early. And to end to see that that is some unrealistic stuff for me you know and so that wasn't just that wasn't me that was intentions personified right that was a tangible intention for me so it meant it meant so much to me you know
0: Where did you grow up
1: oh richmond virginia
0: okay so southern
1: yeah they're hanging by the trees there but um it was just a different area you know you know growing up and not that you're asking but it was you know my mom raised me and she told me this she said you always have to be at least three times smarter two to three times smarter than everybody and i'm like mama why is that <laughs> you know, my mom you know she's Af- um, native american and my dad's african-american and she uh, she experienced so many different hardships because of that and she knew and you know i was so angry with her And we talked kind of about this earlier um like, why do you make me read so much, you know? I'm like, why? You know, I don't fit in, mama. I come across to it. You know, you know, some people tell you are not Black enough, and then there are other people say that you're not white enough, and then you're not this enough. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I thought she was just so cruel. And in Richmond, it's like, if you're Black, and this is still largely true, and we're not trying to be negative here, but I, I mean, I've got to, you know, call it out. You know, if, if you're Black there, it, it, it hurts you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's where I'm, you know, my mother worked very incredibly hard. to put me in really good schools to gave me the best education that we could. Um, so I would do well. Right. But yeah, Richmond's an interesting place.
0: Yeah. You talk about not fitting in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently I, uh, my, I have a large family, um, 10 siblings, seven are biological, oh, wow. three are adopted. And um, like one of the things in our family is um you know being a tillman young is different, and it's different in that um my uh, my mother and my father they both grew up in um different um worlds in terms of they were the the vanguard the first ones to go into the white communities their families were yeah. um back in the um the fifties and the sixties and uh, they were it was um You're not black enough if you go into the black communities and you are not white enough if you go into the white communities. And so it's the adaptation between those two worlds, between being black and being white. And um, thankfully um, I haven't had to have as much as a, um, of a, a code switching experience in my lifetime, in my, in my youth. Uh, mm-hmm. but recently, going into college, I go to a predominantly uh, white school, and um, one of the things there about the the school, it has a black student union. I'm a part of the black student union, but it seems as if those students aren't really wanting to make make like a lasting impact for the school in in any way.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: idea of that you're not. Black enough in in that setting, or you're not white enough in terms of the other setting and like thinking about it, it seems as if the um the whole black black enough white enough goes toward intelligence in a way
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that it is it's social intelligence picking up on social cues it's um like trivia knowing certain facts about. Uh, like classical histories and different things about music and art. And so it's that kind of, you know, being black and being white, it seems to be more of a intellectual type of schism, a split and dichotomy between the two rather than a, a racial one.
1: Hmm. I agree. You know, because, you know, you mind if I expand on that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, in the black community, we, you know, we got <clears> to, <throat> you know, there's, a lot of generational stuff out there. Right. And, you know, you know, again, I, I don't pull this car, but it's history. There was so little for us. And so if there was a chance that you were going to get more than me, I don't like you. Right. Like, get away from me. You're not getting mine. And so there's a lot of that there. Like, you're going to have more opportunity than I do. Or, you know, you speak so properly, you're going to get that job um, you're going to get the job, you know, that I can't get. So it's a lot of that stuff kind of built in that, you know, we that get passed down into, into you know, and this is in many cultures, I'm primarily focused on black culture that kind of passed down to us. And I think um, on the other side of that coin, it's the lack of understanding. Um, and, and just the plain of just, I don't, I mean, just the lack of understanding, what different is. And it's like, I don't understand you. So therefore, I'm going to exclude you. It's just like when you're talking to someone, you use a big vocabulary where they stand back, they get back. they are like, what? Why do you use that word schism? Like, you know what I mean? Like people do that. And it's just, again, that's built into people. I think um, what's going to really appease that or what really would help that is people recognizing, you know, more about their own culture. You know, I'm not a, the biggest fan. I, I believe that we need to work together. There's no doubt about that. I love the community that I mentioned. I love that. But to tell someone that we're all the same, I think, sends a conflicting message. And it pulls away from, you know, again, looking at the Black culture, it, it pulls away from our roots and the terms of resiliency and strength. And I never want to get my son away from that. I'm like, dude, you're like, we're all the same. He's got a heartbeat just like you. Stop, you know, play. But I want you also understand that. You're a very strong person. Everything that you need inside of you, you have. Everything you need, you got. I'm telling you. So I think it's important to educate on, you know, your culture. I think that's incredibly important. You know, my Native American culture. I make sure that I educate myself about that, and I'm going to continue to. But I do know that, you know, because it sounds whenever I met, you know, other, you know, black persons, and they'll say, like, we always say the same thing, like, oh, you're not black enough, you're not white enough, you know, we're like, oh, you're my people. You know what I mean? Because we—they aren't, man. We know. Mm-hmm. They used to call me an Oreo. They used to call me all sorts of things. Oh, look, it's the whitest black guy. It's Vernon. How do you? You know, they would say those things, and now I laugh about it because I really don't care. All that means is they just don't understand, and that's okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you hope to someday, someday soon, hopefully, to um, impart to them understanding.
1: Yeah, and it's coming. It's going to come, especially, while, you know, us talking about conversations like this and having these honest conversations. And I think, you know, not using the PC terms, but obviously not using derogatory terms, but using it in a way that people can, you know, be educated and understand. I think that's where we're missing in society, listening. We don't listen as much. We wait to, to get our point across, but we don't wait to listen.
0: True. How do you think listening could really influence uh, the Black community?
1: This one is a dear question to me because a lot of things that we need to be successful, people tell our culture, but we don't listen to it. And there's many reasons for that. And I do know that once we sit down and really pay attention, I mean, the best place to hide something is in a book. And if you tell somebody that, like, they they won't listen. People won't listen, just in general. But you know, in the black culture, we need to sit down and we need to listen more, so we can save the thirty years that it took for a person to get there. And they can compress it if you meet with them, you know, to have five or six or ten conversations with them. We used to do that. Everybody in the world, the country, used to do that. We used to sit down on the porch and you would talk to Uncle John, John, right, and listen to his his our, his wisdom. We would listen to Aunt Becky or Aunt Regina. We would listen. And learn from that but we're moving away from not listening and we're just it's just not happening enough but we're missing out on a big part it could save us time and it can make us work smarter and not harder
0: so this idea of utilizing uh, books utilizing people's lives their own histories their own mess ups and then knowing oh you know turn left into the turning right over here make sure to take a class from this professor because Is I can be able to do this fellowship rather than, than being held back another semester for some reason. So it's the idea of using other people's mistakes, using their lives as templates, and then applying and tweaking it to your own life and your own journey
1: that you want to do. Bingo. I remember growing up and I would see like somebody who would be strung out on heroin or whatever it was. And the message for me, Wasn't like, hey, stay away from him. It's whatever he or she's doing, I'm not doing, right? I'm not doing it. I'm not even going in that alley. I don't even want to see that house. I don't want a red house at all. But you can learn so much by listening to people. I've talked about went to the gym. I found the oldest person who looked like they knew a lot. Saved me years. Saved me so much money. Saved me so much time. But people don't do that anymore. They don't want to listen. I'm a big one. if you talk and I can and I see like this person has got some sense and it makes sense. I'm listening. And if we had more people doing it, I'm telling you, it could save so many times, so much time. I've offered, um, volunteered my time. I was like, whatever I can do to help someone, I was just like, I will give you, you know, an hour, two hours in many cases to help so we can pivot and grow. People won't take it. That doesn't mean i stop.
0: Yeah. Do you think that if you offer your time to people for free, that they don't find it as valuable than if you charge for it?
1: It's very true. I remember when I first started, I was just trying to, you know, really understand how to do a discovery call and things. You tell them something like, oh man, that's really cool. But when people have skin in the the game, they show up differently. You know, you charge 12, you know, $20,000 for something. They will do every single thing you ask them because they they feel it like, oh man, I got to make sure my money works. At the same time though, there are certain, but there's some people that I have in my life who they want to see me do well, right? Because I surround. I'm, I'm very intentional about surrounding myself with people that I want to see win, and they want to see me win. I'm. In, if that's a quality, that's like having a, a heartbeat. You have to have that, and know the information is in charge for. But I can respect it and I act on it and listen. There's a lot. I have so, so many people like that in my life, and know. But again, it's free. But at the same time, though, no, I can see the the value in it. But there are, you know, sometimes some people just like to talk. Though it's we really enable you to discern the difference.
0: But do you think that there are some people who just cannot um, afford your services, and that they should be helped for free, or do you think that there should be a um, that they should pay some sort of cost, whether it be um, like like labor or um, you know being an assistant for a couple of weeks, something that compensates your time?
1: You know, in terms of there needs to be some sort of exchange. Yes, yeah. there needs to be some sort of exchange. Um, because earlier on, I definitely did some, you know, bartering. Um, I did different, you know, I, I made it work, you know, just like, we're, we're going to make it work. And this is why also I don't always have just, you know, high ticket things. I have a lot of things like even have a 30 a day happiness challenge. It's free. And if you follow it, you, things will look very different for you in 30 days. But it goes back to what we were talking about, no investment, right? Yeah. How much do you value? No investment. How much are you going to act on with, no, with without you paying for something or some sort of exchange? And there are other things that I have that, you know, I have a book. I've just been trying my book and it's coming out this Friday. And again, it's, it's not a budget breaker. So I try to make things available to people. I think the biggest thing that gets, uh, that I'm always talking about is I can give you a treasure map you have to dig
0: yeah what's the name of your book uh 10 step
1: um 10 days to happy 10 days to happy and In that incredibly simplified understandable and actionable i don't make it complex if you I, I i don't do complex give me the simplified version i would do that in any meeting sum it up in three sentences or less get to the point but yeah, yeah it's um, it's a 10-day fail guide. If you do one of the steps, one, you're going to notice changes. I'm not talking about, you know, a week. No, 10 days. Do it. These are the things that I get clients to do. It's got a workbook, you know, kind of just so you can follow along and you can um, log your thoughts, pay attention. Um, as I mentioned, like the pen and paper. So you write these things out so you can remember and you just keep doing these things over. All right, good. You made it to a third of the month in 10 days. Now let's do it again. And I just try to make, um, th- with this book, I had a lot of fun with it because I didn't want to write a book. I did not want to write a book. I stress that enough, but I have people in my life who push me, but you know, who, who want me to win. He's like, you need to write a book on this. Like you, we sat down and talked for 30 minutes. He's like, I feel like I, so much better. Write a book. Didn't want to do it, but I did it. Cause it's not about me. It's about everyone. It's about other people. Right. Yeah. yeah. So
0: what did you, you grew up in, um, Richmond, Virginia.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, where, are you still in Richmond? Or- yeah, all the time. Oh, cool. So um, what's your favorite spot around there that you would say makes you the most happy?
1: The parks. I love being in nature. I absolutely love... First part that comes to my mind is Rockwood Park. I would go there, and you can take so many different trails, and you can just go out there, and that's why I do a lot of my thinking at. I just walk and I think. Let my thoughts do what they want to do, let think about some crazy, I don't know, line with wings that jumps out, starts flying down. I just to go out there and just daydream. And I just get to get lost and I love it.
0: I see that you have a um, a wooden plaque. Uh they told me I couldn't, that's why I did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why did that speak to you?
1: It's about breaking out of restrictions that people told you and uh, going against the the imposed constructs that happen in life. And it's not about necessarily just going to to rage against the machine, but recognizing that if you want it, you can get it. Uh, I I think too many people ask for our success. So they ask to be happy or they ask to be in love or they ask for these things. And it just... just, uh, Boils my blood, you need to demand what you want. You can't tell me what I can't do. I can do whatever I want because I'm going to demand it. It's not that I'm spoiled. I'm going to put the work in. Like I didn't get here because I didn't stay up to, you know, stay up and so many nights worrying, stressing, and practicing and learning and executing and doing different sessions, and doing it for free. And Getting to over 10,000 clients that I have coached, oh, because I did it over and over again. I demand success. It has no choice but to happen. If you take water, put it in a cup, and pour it in there, the water in the jug, water's gonna come out there. It's not because you asked, it's because you did the action that lead to success. So I demand, and that's what that's about. Don't believe what people tell you. Do what you want.
0: Well, Rodin, I just have one last question to ask you. And to- that if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message
1: be? Do not become your struggle. Why would you say that? Because oftentimes in life, especially right now, there's a lot of uh, tough things that people are managing. They're trying to figure out, like, do I work with, you know, entrepreneurs? Yes. I also work with, you know, some individuals as well who might not be in business. And I just see it over and over, you know, back at the beginning of all this, um, this is in February. I opened up my schedule to anybody in the world. I said, I don't care where you are in life. I said, I'm opening my schedule up. And I had the pleasure of talking. I talked, I've never talked to that many continents. People on that many continents before. And I just saw, you know, it wasn't just what I want to interview. No, I sat back and I was like, let me use my coaching skills to kind of put some plans in place for you. Let me see what I can do to readjust. And that's what I would do. I spend, you know, an hour max of people just to readjust things. And I saw that so many people were becoming what they were going through. And there's still some persons I know who are out there who are really trying to work through things who might feel that like they're broken or fractured, which I do not you know, subscribe to, but you're working on getting to the next level. You just figured it out. And sometimes when we're covered up with the things that come coming on us in life, we can start thinking that that is us. It's not us. That's a symptom. That's not us. That's a circumstance. That's not us. That's a conversation that you have, but that's not you. So when I say don't become your struggle, I'm saying you weren't that's not who you are. It's what might be happening right now. And and it's important, you know, some of my work, you know, involves separating people from what the actual issue or problem is. Because when you can look at it from a more well-rounded 360 perspective, it looks real different than when you feel like that you're covered in it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation, Vernon. Thank you so much for your time. Where can the listeners
1: get in touch with you or view more of your work? I think it's a couple, um, well, I know it's a few different places. Um, you can go to linktree forward slash what you're happy and it's happy with an I. And I've got a lot of resources set up there. Um, and I think if I'm thinking correctly, it's gonna have my book, it's gonna have the free 30 day challenge. It's gonna have Own You're Happy. I've got a five day bootcamp going on, Double Down to Dominate. You can find a lot of great information there. Um, you can go to what you happy.com. Um, where you can get a lot of updates on what's happening. I uh, just rebuilt my website in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and lastly, uh, you know, a way to get in contact with me um, is to go to Facebook or LinkedIn. And it's facebook.com forward slash what you're happy and linkedin.com slash what you're happy. Send me a message. You know, I mean, I do my best to get back to people in a timely fashion But you know, being cognizant of my time. I, um, I might take a couple days to get back to you, but I, I do, I'm very responsive.
0: Well, thank you, Vernon, so much for your time.
1: This is great. I really appreciate the questions and um, the honest questions.
0: Just yes, thank you again.
1: Yeah, that's legit.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at TheBlackGoldPod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people We'll be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. You can find all of that and more on the new Black Gold Podcast website, blackgoldpod.wordpress.com. That is B-L-A-C-K-G-O-L-D-P as in Paul, O-D dot dot. WordPress as in the blogging website.com. Again, that is blackgoldpod.wordpress.com.